Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Happy Friday. I know I said that I wasn't going to be back until next week, which is June the 4th, is when we will start back up with season four. But today I am here because we have a special blog. This is a, we'll call it a bonus blog or should podcast, I should say, blogcast. And with that being said, what are we talking about? We are going to talk about AAPI. Now, I know that we should pretty much all know what that means, but just in case, let's give you a refresher. AAPI is Asian American and Pacific Islanders. That is the actual definition of AAPI. And it's very imperative right now because, you know, we have the new signed bill that just went into effect that we are very clear that I know that May is usually AAPI. I guess want to say recognition month or honorary month. It's yeah, pretty much. However, we want to continue these conversations beyond these designated times. It's I think it's really interesting that we only hold on to certain things. Like we talk about African-American contributions in the month of February. I want us to step away from that because this is a everyday life. You know, you can't change what you are, you know, how you're born. So I want to make sure that we're just keeping these types of conversations clear. So today I have Linda QI, cool, Linda cool, I want to get it correct. And she is here because she has an amazing um, project that she's going to be working on. And it's going to be taking place this Sunday in New York. And it's a AAPI solidarity fundraiser. This is actually being done. Um, with Dancers Unlimited, which is where Linda, this is her actual dance company. And she's going to tell you all about that in today's episode. But this is going to be a part dance and part conversation. So we have several teachers that are going to be um, doing the dance portions of it. It is a sign up situation where you sign up, you get your tickets, the money and everything that they're raising, it's $10 per class. And that is going to be supporting Apex. So I honestly just want to thank Linda for her time and taking the time to sit down and just have a good discussion. I'm going to play back our interview. I hope that you enjoy it. We'll be back at the end just to have final comments. And again, I want to stress, this is a fundraiser that is going to be for an amazing cause. So I want you to go ahead, especially if you're in the New York area, you plan to be in the New York area this weekend. It's this Sunday Um, time. The registration, everything has to be registered, you know, ahead of time. The last day to register is going to be tomorrow. That is going to be on Saturday, May the 29th. And um, I want you to go ahead and flood, get your tickets. And again, if you feel like you're not able to attend and you want to donate, there's always the option of doing that as well. So let's get into it. Thank you, Linda. All about the event. What are the key things that, you know, people are going to want to know about? And really, if we can start off with the whole, how did it all get put together. I know that this is a fundraiser for AAPI. Um, 
And I just wanted to just have that conversation. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to share. I'm excited to to talk to anyone and everybody about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I um I my name is Linda Kuo and. Mm -hmm. And I'm a director of Dancers Unlimited, and we're one of the partners of this event. So it started really as a response to all the heightened media attention of a you know violence against API individuals, especially the you know the women from Atlanta. And then I think, but even even before the media report, right? Like even I myself with my son, my son is mixed, um, black and Asian. Okay. And he. Last year was the year where he was four four years old. Actually, when George Floyd happened, he was yeah he was three, okay. not four yet. So anyway, so I had to explain to him basically about racism on on both ends, <laughs> and the, because he was like, "What is Black Lives Matter? We live in downtown Brooklyn." So he hears all of the protests that's going on, and he's like, "Why why are people saying this?" And for him, it just, you know, for me, it was like, as a parent, how do you explain that? And then when we went to the supermarket, you know, he saw people literally, there's two, it happened twice. Like people have told me to get back to China, to go back to where I'm from. And he was with, my son was with me and he was just like, but we're not even from China. <laughs> right. We're not from there. We're from up the street. Our house is right up the road. Yeah. How do you coincide that conversation with him being so young? Because I know I'm a mother of three mm -hmm. and it was a hard um, conversation, but my kids are 12, nine and seven. So they're a little, they're about five seconds older, but right. you know, that's a hard, that's a hard conversation because yeah. for me, yeah. I didn't expect to have that conversation. So, so early. Yeah. Same. And then, you know, and I have friends who are, you know, cause I'm, I'm a dancer and I'm surrounded by other dancers, whether it's from different cultural groups. I, I am friends with like the West African dance group, the hip hop people. That's how that's kind of like my origin story. I came up in the hip hop scene. Um, I'm also a contemporary and ballet trained dancer. So in my company, we mix everything and we tell stories specifically about social injustice. And um, I'm from Hawaii. So we, we, we tell a story, we try to like elevate stories and provide a platform to really highlight all the marginalized voices. So in Hawaii, we'll be the native Hawaiians, you know, people have this colonized um, version. We're always so the colonized version of Waikiki, Hawaii being the paradise and ignoring the fact that 80% of native Hawaiians are make, made, make up the, imp um, the Im imprisonment rate. So 80% hmm. of people in prison in Hawaii are Native Hawaiians when they when Native Hawaiians don't even make up 10% of the population anymore. So it's 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 the very similar story of the black and brown indigenous people struggle. Um, last year it was difficult because I had to try to find a way to explain to my son. It was easy to dance about it and he can watch it. He went up to Mauna Kea, which is one of the sacred mountain, kind of like a standing rock before Hawaii. It's right. a sacred mountain. They're trying to take over. They actually have already taken it over and they're just trying to desecrate it even more um, in the name of science. <laughs> so. Yeah. So 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 my son has gone up with me. They he has you know been the been the presence of the Native Hawaiian elders and leaders. So he's been in the activism front. But for me to explain this to him in words, like 
how do I break this down? So I, I eventually I had to be straight up with them. And that's what right. I suggested. Like there's no sugarcoating because when he grows up, he's 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 black Native American and Asian. He's like, he's gonna have to understand what's going on, you know. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that he's yeah, he ha he's he's he he makes up and compiles of so many different elements. So he yeah. has to be in tune to that. Yeah, so I think the best thing I can give him is just honesty so I can prepare him for anything that may come his way. Um, yeah, so this this has been this workshop and the solidarity workshop has been an idea. And then the idea is that, yeah, we're celebrating APA Heritage Month. We specifically decided to do it at the end of the month because we don't want this conversation, the conversation of solidarity to stop at the end of the month. Um, right. One of the questions, because I've been getting interviewed, I always get interviewed a lot in the month of May because everyone's like, oh, this is an AAPI individual. That's great. Let's interview her. And for me, I'm always like, it's almost like, can we broaden of the conversation, right? Like, right. And, and this is a human rights issue. It's not just API, not just Black, it's not just, like, yes, every group has our own very unique struggles. But even within the API group, we like I'm not gonna group my struggle together with a Native Hawaiian struggle. It's right. totally different. So I, I, so that's the the intention of this workshop is like, hey, let's just come together. That's what solidarity is, right? Come together so we can at least begin with honesty in the same space, mm -hmm. um, and making ourselves available for the conversations that need to happen. Now the workshop is what's the age or groups of of the people that are involved? Like, is it different various ages? Like, how does that break down? Um, so mostly, I think it's we say it's high school and adults. So right okay. now, looking at a at a registration list, mostly is like it's young adults um, okay. attending. Yeah, and then. Um, yeah, we also, but the community discussions, so we're ending the day with the community discussion and APEX, mm -hmm. which is the beneficiary of this um, this event. So APEX is, um, they are a, excuse me, a nonprofit New York-based um, organization. They provide op uh, possibilities for immigrant, like Asian immigrant youth and also low-income families. So some of their youth members are actually coming to the discussion to just share with us like, what they've been working on and what they've been, what they went through this year, you know, um, as students in their high school and the discrimination and what they are doing through their programs to kind of find their own voices um, and to be anti-racist, right? And, and then the next step is for us to all figure out like, okay, what do we do? What does solidarity look like? What does anti-racism look like, you know, together and also for the individual um, ethnic groups? Um, yeah, so the, so we have dancing, which is light and fun. And then it's, you know, dancing always brings a lot of people together. Yeah, it's easier exactly. to tell a story through dance than it is just to have people talking to. So I do recognize, yeah. recognize that. Yeah, I think I think the arts is always so powerful, you know, like it, you, it touches people's heart without even without having to to kind of like say out loud. Um, but the discussion for us is also important as well, because it's it's us practicing using our voices, you know, and having that platform for marginalized voices to be heard, even if it's just, you know, at one workshop, one hour, but at least that's a space where, you know, people can come together and we can have honest discussions. It's very different from, for me, you know, I know a lot of corporations, they now they have diversity and inclusion. Mm. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> right, right. We can go into I this. Roll my eyes. So, in case somebody's listening, you know, after I put this all together, like I'm rolling my eyes because it's yeah. interesting how we have these diversity inclusions, and and they're not their birth. I guess in general, their 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 purposes supposed to be understanding but they're birthed from a place of not because we truly want to learn from other people it's or we want to have acceptance it's more or less like I don't want to be the one the company doesn't have it because then if I don't have it then it becomes a bigger issue it becomes, it's more, yeah it, it's, it's, it's a money it's like a I don't want to lose I don't want to lose profits yeah and then I, I've even you know like this can be on or off the record you know but like it's this is interesting because even i'm a nonprofit, so do you were a nonprofit, and we've been um engaging a lot of even foundation talks with foundations and just the philanthropy talk right and my husband mm -hmm. works for a corporation who has a huge philanthropy department and he's kind of like in charge of putting events together and he's like the diversity inclusion guy that they go to on like he's not an official guy right but he's just like oh, the un, un, unanswered person they always like basically they always go to him like for a black opinion <laughs> my husband has that same issue right, um the black spokesperson <laughs> yeah because he's like i can't speak for everybody i can only speak exactly. from my experience so from my experience this is what i would see but yeah it gets it all the time yeah so it's, it's very interesting so you know but even that conversation is that oh now it's like because everyone even the foundations they realize because 90 percent of the people in the foundation especially decision makers they are they are white is a male so they mm -hmm. want to diversify and they want to diversify who they get money to right which is which is great but at the same time now they're making a requirement for nonprofits to have a dni division so it right. became like you say it's a money thing and it to me it's like how genuine is it when when you're just doing it are you doing it because you really see the need to do it i mean when you think about too when you saw everybody black out their social media pages yeah the same companies that blacked out their social media pages a year ago don't exactly follow suit with what that blacking out of the of the social media meant you yeah. know it's not just putting out this black box on your on your on your instagram it's what are you doing to make sure that people like me and people like you are getting paid fairly um they're being compensated the way that uh, a white male because that's really what it boils down to there's a lot of of white male that are able to move differently than people of color and what about that so that's kind of what i think about yeah and and then that's, that's really the conversation yeah. that that no one really wants to honestly have you know and then it comes with fragility it comes with just that it's easy to celebrate diversity and inclusion but but you cannot basically undo racism without going further and then for us this what's what this workshop is for uh, yes we can come together and dance we celebrate we raise funds for a wonderful organization that support um, you know immigrant youth and low-income families it's amazing but the last component of the day is really a discussion where we all sit down and we let's talk it out like what is it that we can do together to truly make a difference so it's more than just posting a black block you know black box and more than just like tagging api stop asian hate like we can do all kind of stuff on social media but structurally and institutionally what are we really doing to make a difference so everyone so we're really trying to create equity, right? And to elevate each other's voices. So that's the intention of this workshop. Um, 
And when we put a workshop together, we did a call for volunteer teachers. Okay. And we didn't have an intention. We're like, originally we're like, well, we're not gonna just try to limit to limit the, the teachers to like AAPI. We're not just gonna try to do that. I feel like everyone should come together. But then it just so happens like when the schedule worked out, because everyone has such a busy schedule, everyone turned out to be AAPI. So the first the four teachers that were featuring their AAPI, um they're AAPI decent, which okay. is like, okay, it works out. Um so I think, and that also will direct and maybe shift the discussion a little differently so we can get more perspective on, you know, performers and teaching artists, like who have the API background and what are their experiences like? And I was just about to say, that was my next question about API dancers, because I just, and I'll just say this, it's like, okay, if you, if I, the times that I have seen, like, AAPI um, dancers online. And I'm not saying that it's, that it's limited because it's not, but I'll see things like cultural appropriation, like dancing or certain other ways only done by a certain style. And if you try to cr- cross over to whatever, you know, cause to me, I've grown up in, I grew up in a, uh, in a musical home. I grew up, my mom was a dancer. So, you know, her with dancing, it was just like dancing is dancing. It's movement. And anybody can do it, but we get into this whole fine tune of only certain people can do certain types of dance, especially when it comes to like crossing over to like hip hop or anything uh, urban or anything like that. So what is your thoughts on that? Just because I do know that it has been a talk that has been hammering out um, these last couple of years and these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so coming from a hip hop background and my teachers, they are like kind of like the pioneers of hip hop, so including Mob Top, Dance Fusion. Um, so they made sure I learned the history, you know, okay. like why hip hop was born, who created it. Really, there's no one person. It's a community response to the oppression that, that, that was happening. And that's why hip hop is so universal now. It's, it's a global movement, right? And, and I think the conversation within the hip hop community is just always what happens when a let's just say a black art form is commercialized, you know? So right. the same thing happened with jazz, right? So um, so Lindy Hop in Harlem looks very different from the Lindy Hop that's being taught in studios today. The people who are performing Lindy Hop from Whitey's Lindy Hop to now, they look very different. So there's right. a whitewashing of things. And as an Asian American, I didn't learn hip hop on the streets. I, I didn't grow up in like, you know, I didn't grow up in New York, I grew up in Hawaii. So yeah, I was exposed to hip hop, but I started with hip hop choreography in the studio. So the hip hop I, I experienced was already kind of like, you know, it was not the essence. It was not from the original people. Um, so I had to relearn and re-educate myself when I came to New York to really learn about what's the essence of hip hop, the history, the people, the movement, um, because that wasn't taught to me in the dance studios. So and it's, not, it's not going to. And, and it's like unless you're in an area like a New York or Philadelphia or any type of an urban city, really, you're not going to get that because it's you like you said, it's very it looks very different. It looks very yeah. um, robotic. It's not as fluid as it would very be. Very different. Exactly. And it's not as natural. The freestyle element of hip hop, because hip hop is an expression of yourself. So the freestyle element, most most of the time, it's taken out of the studios, right? Um, became a choreography, became competition. Um, 
and then and then you know and for me it's like yeah people can do what they want to but it's important to pay respect and honor the the lineage of hip-hop where hip-hop came from right and then it it didn't just start in the 70s like hip-hop right. was a product of of jazz of disco and even going back right like so my my teacher for me is like even second line look at second line you know in new orleans right second line and then you look at um the ritual circles the prayer circles you look at and you go back to basically you go back to west africa so that's where hip-hop came from and for for to to them it's like if you want to study hip-hop go take a west african class that's right. how you study hip hop, you study the history. So for me as Asian American, I think our job is to understand that we are a visitor, we're being invited into this culture. Um, and knowing that, yes, we can enjoy the culture. Hip hop is not exclusive for me. Like it's, it's very inviting. That's why it's all over the world. Right. Um, but it's important to understand where it came from and and pay you know homage and honor those people and honor the communities that created hip hop. Um, and for as an Asian American performer, it's very interesting because I've been on the commercial side of things when I was in my early 20s and now I'm pushing 40s at my own dance company. Um, as a commercial dancer, it was very interesting because every time I booked a job, it was almost always because I was Asian. Because mm, they needed they needed someone to represent the Asian community. In right. That, in that, and, in then, and then they were not scared to say it. They're like, we need an Asian girl. That one. And sometimes, you know, you go to audition calls, they line you up before you even dance. They're like, you see, okay, this black girl, white girl, Latina, Asian, boom, you guys go, you guys go to the second round. So it wasn't even about skills anymore. It's more, and then that makes me, I don't know how that feel as a, yeah, to me, I was like, I don't know how I feel as a, as a, as a person. Like, great, I'm booking this gig, but I'm like, man, all my years of hard work and training it comes down to my complexion. It comes down to my ethnicity. It comes down to who I can do, what I can do for them, because they want to make sure that they have that appearance of, you know, we're not whitewashing things. We're bringing in people of color, and we're we're bringing in a couple extra people, so we're good. Like it's, and you know what? And that happens everywhere. Like unfortunately, yeah. it happens in corporate. It happens. I can't even. I don't even know any field that it doesn't happen. It's just. It's very it, yeah, exactly. And then and then now even as a company, right? And people are like, why aren't you creating more Asian American stories? And for me, I'm like, I'm not an Asian American dance company, though. Right. You know, like we our board of advisors are super diverse. You know, they are. We basically kind of have like a rainbow <laughs> array of of people in on our board. Our right. dance company members are black and brown, and we have like maybe two like Europeans um, from Greece and also Spain. Um, and then our other company were based in New York and Honolulu. So in Honolulu, we have a huge Native Hawaiian influence. So I was like, I cannot just make my company an Asian American company because I'm Asian American. And, and even that, right, there is so much disconnect through the process of trying to assimilate. There's so much that I'm discovering now, like that's been disconnected from, right. from my culture when my family came over here. So I'm still trying to do that Asian American research because when I went to school, there was no Asian American studies. We didn't, right. we had like one Asian American class in my school. <laughs> so yeah, it's, and, it's, and it's crazy because um, it's, it's weird because I feel like even with like Asian American says we didn't study that. And I know I didn't study it in high school. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't really 
I had to take an actual African-American studies class. It wasn't something that was just a general conversation. I felt like it should have just been a general conversation, but it wasn't. It was, if you would like to take this class, then this is where we're discussing the set. But it wasn't something that was, it was offered widespread. So we're not introduced to other cultures at an early age. And then we're expected to then figure this out later on. And I feel like that definitely needs to be changed and stop having it. Like you said, at the very beginning, like, you know, the month of February, we'll start talking about African-American things because we're in the month of February. Now we're in the month of May. So now we can start talking about Asian Americans. Like th this is a, this is a everyday year round. This is not something that we do just to honor this one time a month to make ourselves feel like we're doing something. Yeah, I think because the in the in the greater structure of thing or infrastructure of thing, right? Like things are very, it's 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 white supremacy. Everything is very Eurocentric. Going back to dancing, you know, I I wanted to t um get like a BFA. I ended up not getting it. I had a bit. I I went to to business instead, um, and I just did a bunch of like dance extracurricular classes. But the, all the BFA programs basically. The first round of audition is always ballet. Mm -hmm. So meaning you can dance hip hop your whole life. You can be like the dopest freestyler, right? And you can you can do headspins for days. But if you don't pass that first round of ballet, you get you're not getting to the other part where they can see where right. you right, right, right. And even most most of the higher education dance programs today, even though they, there has been a lot of like diversity inclusion conversations happening, but the changes are happening very very slowly. Right, so the the curriculum mostly is very modern and ballet centered. Right, everything else are added on, like you said, like electives, only if you want to explore more. But to me, I was like, if you're really thinking about American dance, American music, because you can't talk about dance without music, right? You cannot ignore African American contributions. You cannot talk about modern dance without going into African dance because right. all the contraction and release, that's from African dance. So it's not from ballet. So for me, I was like, so, so just that. So again, like going back to, to our event this Monday, that's where the discussion is going to be. It's even though it's an AAPI fundraiser, the discussion itself is solidarity because I think the common theme here is really is white supremacy, right? So what can we do? in our position, and I'm in the position of being a director of a dance company and other people have their other positions, what can we do really to really, um, to, to undo that, undo that existing structure that is holding us back from honest conversations and real change? Because the real, like we've, this whole year we've had so much conversation. Right. But I'm like, where's the real change? Right, so now after we talk, what are we gonna do? Yeah, exactly. We've been talking about it for honestly more than a year, right? Like, like, and I think if you're a BIPOC person, like you've been talking about it probably your whole life. So like, so what is, when is that real change happening? And if you don't see other organizations, what can I do in my organization that is, that actually will implement the change effectively? What is your takeaway? When people have left, they've participated, they've taken the classes, they've, they've, done the dances, they've had this conversation at the end, what is the takeaway that you want people to literally leave with and, and they have the, to be empowered? Like, what do you want them to be able to do? 
So one of the end goal for the discussion, um, it really is action, like actionable plans to come up with a plan together as a community, whether it may be, it might just be the dance community, right? So what does it look like for a more equitable stage? What does it look like for, you know, for us to put all dance styles on equal platforms? So it's not always ballet first and everything else as electives, right? Right. Um, and what are we doing? Maybe we can learn from each, each other because these organizations were all internally doing something. Perry Dance, for example, one of our partners, he, he, they're sponsoring the, their staff and space to, um, on Sunday. Um, they, they basically have included, they really diversified their teaching staff this year. So they're, they're one of the organizations that doesn't just, just talk. They actually it, have truly it, it, right. right. They've always diversified their class offering. They also... Um, Host, they provide a home for um, Joniba dance, uh, African drum and dance um, classes. Right. Um, they also recently just partnered with some of the hip hop dance pioneers. So Sekou Haru and Buddha Stretch. So Buddha Stretch was the choreographer for uh, Michael Jackson's Remember the Time. That mm -hmm. like, yeah. So they both been in the, in the industry for a long time. So last year they launched a program called Dancestry. So it's Dance Ancestries specifically exploring what we just talked about, right? Like where is hip hop from? What is the dance history of, of these different dance, um, dance styles that we're seeing? Um, so now Perry Dance is sponsoring this program. So providing a space, providing funding, which is amazing. So one of those, so I think, I think the discussion, the takeaway really is to help us look at what each other's doing, what we're, what, what's really working, right? and acknowledging the work that's being done and how else can we come together to really support each other and to elevate voices. And to be really honest with ourselves to look at with them because I feel like because we all kind of grew up in this racist structure, we all have internalized racism, right? Of how things should work. Right. What they should look like. So what are some of these walls and boundaries that we can take down within our own work so that we can really talk about like, you know, anti-racism and creating equity? Well, that sounds like good. That sounds good to me. Um, I'm definitely going to make sure that I do my part to post it so that people are aware because I have, you know, people all over the place and I want them to know that the, um, that the, that you're going to be doing this on Sunday. Um, is it still available for people to sign up? Yeah, the last day to register will be tomorrow. So um, because Perry Dance, they require all the registration to be turned in before the event. Okay. Yeah. And it is everyone must mask um, while there. Um, I did see that and that's great. And um, or, um, like I said, you said tomorrow's the last registration. So I will definitely emphasize that. Um, is there anything else that you want me to make sure that we all understand? We we're all on the same page. Yeah, I think I think if anything, just definitely, you know, we encourage everyone to come through, take a class. We have uh, what class we have? We have tapping. We have we have tap. We have um, Japanese folk dance and a popping class, and also a commercial choreography class. Um, so a wide range of classes that we can explore, and definitely stay for the conversation. Are you in New York yourself, or in New York? I'm in Philly. Yeah. Okay. So if you're free, let me know. We would love to have you. You know, in the class or a discussion. Um, yeah, just let me know, and I'll I'll just give you a comp tickets. Okay. Well, I definitely appreciate that. And um, I can't wait to just 
hopefully I'll be, I mean, if I'm not there, I hope to hear or see, you know, what the outcome of that, you know, was. And maybe what I could do too was uh, circle back and maybe just have like a follow-up with you so we can just see like how everything went and like highlight some of the things that were discussed. Because again, we need to have these conversations a lot more than just this one time a month. So I would love to be able to do that. Yeah, I totally, I agree with you. I think it'll be great to just continue that conversation and you know, checking in and hold each other accountable, you know, like six months from now, like maybe you can check in like, hey, Linda, are you being accountable? (laughs) Right, over there. (laughs) I think that's all we need because it's so much easier sometimes to to fall back to what's been established, but then it's like then, but we got to do the hard work. Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.